can remember when I was 20, I mean, just a whole bunch of, of trouble just kind of mm-hmm. followed me. If you were to give any advice to that 20 year old self, what would it be? Hello and welcome to Center for Victory's podcast of your best day yet. At Center for Victory, we're here to help unlock, reinforce, and enrich relationships through personal and professional development. I'm Eric Guy, Chief Victory Officer here at the Center for Victory. With me today, Mr. Andrew Reichert, uh, CEO of Burgo Realty. Glad to have you on. Um, just a, a couple snippets about you real quick for our audience, please. Yeah, sure. First of all, thanks so much, Eric, for having me on. Um, Love what you're doing with the show. We've known each other for years as you've been a real support person for me growing in self-awareness, our company helping them learn in self-awareness through the predictive index and other tools. So I'm grateful to be on the show, grateful for our friendship and our relationship. Um, As you mentioned, I'm Andrew Reichert, CEO of Burgo. Um, We do private equity real estate. So we've raised about 70 million bucks across three funds. We've bought uh, $280 million worth of real estate in three states, um, Pennsylvania. Uh, we, we buy in Buffalo, New York, and in Cincinnati, Ohio as well. And um, I'm privileged to, to get to lead a team of about 90 amazing folks who uh, manage those properties, do everything on the back end to keep the real estate running and, um, and drive good returns for our investors. So that's what we do. Yeah. And, and uh, you've really grown over the past uh, few years. It's exciting to watch uh, what you're doing. Um, but uh, today I'm going to let's talk a little bit about leadership, kind of some of the things that you do inside the company, because you got when we get together, we have great tidbits. I feel like uh, that you give me and hopefully I give you. Um, but with with your whole kind of process here, could you just share a little bit about your own leadership journey? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I would say my leadership journey has been a bit of a roller coaster through the years. Um, you know, I, uh, I grew up as a pretty troubled teen, um, got into, you know, my share of troubles through school ultimately culminated in me. Um, dealing with a good bit of adversity as a child, grew up in a poor family, you know, uh, not a whole lot of financial wherewithal, ultimately ended up getting expelled from high school. So um, I say in many ways, I was a leader from the beginning of my life, but I was just leading the wrong things and leading in the wrong direction and um, really just didn't have the focus that I needed to have as a youth. So, um, so I was fortunate, uh, came to Pittsburgh to go to the University of Pittsburgh, recruited out of Pittsburgh um, to to really lead a sales function within PNC covering the West Coast. Mm-hmm. So that was really where I cut my teeth in, in true leadership um, and uh, re- really found myself enjoying that. I, I viewed the sales that I was doing as leadership. So you're really leading a client into a decision that they need and leading them through that decision. and uh, ultimately just fell in love with real estate while I was at PNC and ended up, um, buying some real estate and then starting my own real estate company in 2012. And the rest is kind of history. You know, we grew from, from one employee back then, which was just me to, like I said, 90 employees now. So I'm privileged to kind of lead a leadership team today. And, um, and I'm really passionate about leadership as a way to develop and to improve people's lives. 
Yeah. And, and you do practice what you, what you preach. I mean, you've got, uh, you've got some good people working for you. I mean, I don't know everybody now, um, but you're, you're definite, you know, you got a, some good core people. Uh, we just did a, you know, I was just down there with you down in Pittsburgh, having some fun with your gang and you do spend time on their development. And, you know, that was a whole day for them just on, mm-hmm. you know, working on them. So it was good. But, uh, you know, speaking of, of Burgo, what makes it different than what would you say makes it different than other realty companies? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, it, it may sound a little cliche, but I think exactly what you just said, our, our people really are, are what make us different. Um, so first of all, our people are mission oriented. Um, so our mission is improving lives through real estate. Uh-huh. So for us, real estate is just a means to an end. Um, it's really about the lives that we improve along the way. It's the lives of our tenants by being a really good landlord and the lives of our investors by stewarding their capital and the lives of our employees. I mean, just by caring for them and, um, you know, stewarding their, their employment. Um, and so I've just found that the, the type, type of folks that opt into coming to work for us tend to care about that mission. And it just creates this culture that uh people really care about each other they care about what we're doing and um and and they really uphold our core values our core values really are what define our culture and and i'm privileged to have a team that i think takes that stuff seriously it's Mm -hmm. not just uh you know nice pithy sayings that we say once a quarter it's ingrained in the work that we do day in and day out yeah and what makes you so passionate you talked about the you know, getting into real estate, what makes you so passionate about real estate? Yeah. So it's a funny story. You know, I grew up in a family that was not entrepreneurial, you know, not investing in stuff, right? We didn't really have the financial wherewithal to do that. So in college, I read this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, sure you've heard of it. And, um, it talked about real estate as an asset class and really real estate as a, as a way, to build generational wealth. Um, And that was the first time that I had thought about um, not just earning an income, but actually building an asset, right? Like building up an asset base. Um, And so what makes me really passionate about real estate is just how it can be a truly passive investment. You know, if done correctly, you can, you can invest and you can kind of get mailbox money, so to speak. Um, but it's the fabric of our communities. Like it's the houses people live in. It's the restaurants that people go to. It's the actual building. So it's, you're investing in a real asset, something that they're not making any more land, right? There's only so much land. There will never be more land made. So to be able to physically and tangibly hold your asset is something that I just really love about real estate. And I love how it can just have a positive impact on people's lives. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, that you believe in are your sabbaticals, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so why are sabbaticals kind of important in your mind and what benefits have you experienced from taking them in a leadership position. Cause I know a lot of leaders, you know, we just grind and grind and grind and yeah, grind and we yeah. get burnout. Speak yep. to that a little bit because you've, I think you've put that into practice. I, I would say you're probably in the top five of the, all the companies and CEOs that I work with. You do a pretty good job at that. 
Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So one of the things I realized is we have a culture, particularly at Burgo that is fast paced and kind of hard charging. Um, so one of our core values is actually rhinocerality. It's this value of being driven like a rhino, right? You're charging towards your goals. Well, the shadow side of that is burnout. Yeah. Um, if you're always charging, you know, and never resting, you burn out. Um, and so, yeah, I took a month sabbatical just this past August. And um, I'll tell you what, I didn't realize how burnt out I was until I took this sabbatical and really took time to unwind and to rest and rejuvenate. Um, and one of the things it did for me was allowed me to step back and look at the big picture. So I actually looked at a lot of the uh, tools and kind of uh, systems that I use to understand myself, right? Like what is my own unique DNA? How am I wired? Um, and, and to think about what is the value that I bring to this world? Um, you know, what is my purpose? What, what am I trying to accomplish? Um, and I've, I just found that that so few people have taken the opportunity to step back and really reflect on those things in a, in a, you know, kind of long period of time that, that allows space for really reflecting. And so that's why I'm passionate about it. I want everybody to be able to live into their purpose. I want people to be able to live into their unique DNA that makes them, you know, one of a kind, never before been created, never again be created and to really have a good grasp of that. And I've just found the sabbatical is a great, great path to being able to do that. Yeah. So with that, um, and I know this is kind of a loaded question cause you're proud of a lot of things, but what do you, if you had to hone it in, what are you most proud of and why? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Well, you know, speaking of kind of holistically, if you look at my family, I have an amazing wife. I've got three wonderful girls. Um, so I'm certainly proud of what we've accomplished professionally. I mean, you know, growing a company from one to 90 employees is, um, is something that I don't take lightly. And, you know, I started the company 10 years ago. So most companies, as you know, uh, go out of business, you know, their first five years. Um, so the fact that we're still around is something I'm proud of. But as I look at my three little girls, um, I can't help but think about just the generational progress that I am privileged to get to be a part of building. Um, you know, I think about just how proud I am of um, getting to create life and take one leg of this relay. And, you know, my, my hope is that, you know, my, my ceiling will be their floor you know, that they will take the relay one leg further and that they will then become, you know, the, the sort of the next leg of the relay and they'll have kids. And I just think of where I came from, you know, just again, a, just a troubled, troubled child and the opportunity to get to raise them. I mean, that, that's really what I'm most proud of is, is just the, the honor and the privilege of getting to raise children that will bring the, uh, bring the relay, you know, one leg further. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. And, you know, with that, with that question, then kind of the piggyback of that is what do you want to be remembered for? Mm, yeah, such a good question. So, you know, I think about this a lot because I think about purpose a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, but one of the things that's interesting is I think about being remembered is, um, 
I kind of don't care if people don't actually remember my name. So like, it's not really about me. You know, it's not about what Andrew Reichert is doing. Um, what I really want to be remembered for, or what I, what I would hope to leave behind is really just the impact that I've had on the world. Um, it's sort of ironic even having three girls, you know, theoretically they, if they all get married and they take on last names, uh, one of the ironies of that is that my last name may actually not um, continue on beyond my generation. And that's okay for me. Mm -hmm. um, like, it's just not about me having my name or my fingerprint on what I do. I mean, my faith is really important to me. So it's really about, you know, feeling like, I can get to the end of my life and hear, well done, you know, good and faithful servant. You've done what you've, uh, you know, what I've called you to do. So that's really how I think about being remembered. It's not about me. It's about the impact I leave behind. Yeah. And you're definitely, uh, you know, doing that with, with your company. I mean, you're doing that in your company and in, in your family too. Um, so I want to spend some time on this next one. And the reason that I want to spend some time on this next question is because of your story, my story, very similar. I mean, we probably would have hung around together. Uh, got each other in trouble. Gotten a lot of trouble. Um, I did not get expelled. I think that was just because I was uh, the the generation right before you that that wasn't so quick to expel. Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. Um, uh, but. A lot of our audience uh, nowadays, especially uh, on YouTube, when we post these on YouTube, not so much uh, the podcast, but when we post them on YouTube, we're uh, hitting that that age group from like twenty uh, to like to forty, mm -hmm. right? And these are these are just people that are that are inquiring about, you know, how do I how do I get over kind of things like this? How do I find my purpose? Mm -hmm. What do I want to be remembered for? Um, actually I'm speaking tomorrow morning on purpose, mm. like on the topic of just that. And, uh, it's, you know, it's going to be to, to some younger folks, but if you could go back and give advice to that younger self. So when you were 20 years old, like <laughs> I remember when I was 20, I mean, just a whole bunch of, of trouble just kind of mm -hmm. followed me. If you were to give any advice to that 20 year old self, what would it be? Mm, yeah. Oh, such a good question. Um, yeah. Cause that, that 20 year old self, again, if you just look at my story, I had just come out of being expelled and, and that now I'm actually in college at 20. So, you know, I was just pouring myself into education and self-development and trying to work on myself. But, um, I think I was really trying to prove something. Um, like prove that I could do it, um, you know, really uh, focused on myself. You know, it was, it was really like egocentric in a way. Um, so I, I think I would say a few things to my 20-year-old self. Um, one is I would say like you are loved just the way you are. Um, I think my 20-year-old self, you know, again, was trying to prove something, maybe some people-pleasing tendencies needed to um, – really, uh, you know, have the approval of others. And, um, I think just to tell myself like your, your love, just the way you are. Um, I would probably also tell my 20 year old self, it's not about you. 
Like, uh, <laughs> I think as a 20 year old, we have a tendency to think that the world revolves around us, right? Like we are the epicenter of the universe <laughs> and everything is about me. Uh, and man, I was, that was just so wrong. Uh, you know, we live in a big world with a lot of people and it is just not about us, right? It's just not about me. Um, and so as I've grown and learned, oh, the best thing I can do is actually to be others centered, right? To be others focused. That has really grown me in my leadership and in my um, sort of stewardship of the resources that I have. Um, I guess third, I would maybe say, um, like, stop trying so hard. Um, ooh, 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 <laughs> you know, Ouch. it's, it's like, uh, <laughs> again, uh, like trying to prove something and, yeah. uh, just really needed to hear that. Like, I, I don't have to try so hard. I can just be myself, you know, and, um, and it takes some while to grow into your own skin. And at 20, I think everybody's a little insecure. Sure. Um, but I certainly, you know, that was no exception on me. I, I was, I think very insecure trying to really, uh, pr prove myself and, and be somebody that, that really I wasn't. Yeah. Wow. Those were good. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. that, man. Those were, those were great. I hope people listen to that. I hope that that younger age group turn tunes in again. Um, but, um, a couple more here. Yeah. So can you think of something, and this is more so because of the conversations you and I have had, can yeah. you think of something you find challenging in leadership that nobody talks about? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, a lot of people talk about a lot of things. So um, it's hard for me to think of something specific that nobody talks about. But one thing I think is perhaps not talked about enough is um, that sometimes loving people well actually means parting ways with them. Um, so I think particularly in leadership, I know I have a tendency. I think we, um, in general, as leaders have a tendency to think that like the best thing you can do for, to care for somebody is, um, you know, if they're at your company, maybe keep them employed or, um, you know, if they're, um, a relationship or a friendship, you, you know, maybe you feel like you have to keep in touch with them or whatever that might look like. Um, but sometimes actually uh, parting ways and creating boundaries around um, the relationship is the best thing that, that you can do for that relationship. Um, and sometimes the most caring thing that you can do for somebody is to get them you know, maybe out of your organization and into an organization that's a better fit for them. Um, so I think, uh, you know, again, if I look at early in my career, I think that I sort of felt like, oh, I'm responsible for these people, right? And um, like, I, I'm responsible for putting food on the table for them or whatever that might be. Um, well, I think that just puts unnecessary pressure on us as leaders. Um, mm -hmm that is just not fair. And, and sometimes the, you know, again, the best thing you can do is to create healthy boundaries around that. And um, sometimes it means parting ways with certain folks. And I think that's, um, that's sometimes the best thing that you can do as a leader for that other person and for yourself. Another good nugget. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so there are any lessons that you learned inside of your leadership roles? 
that translate into life outside of work? You know, we talked about your family, obviously, but. Yeah, that's, that's immediately where my head goes is thinking about my family. Um, well, and I'll tell you what, I think it's kind of bi-directional. I think, um, lessons I've learned with my family apply to work sometimes too. Um, you know, I, I think mostly about marriage and parenting, um, like some of the skills that I've developed at work from managing all different types of people are, um, for example, empathy, um, and really listening, like not just giving an answer, but like really listening to the person. And I've just found when I do that with my wife or when I do that with my kids, it really pays dividends. Um, not listening so that I can come up with an answer, you know, to kind of rebuttal them, but, um, just like listening and seeing them, right. And like Mm -hmm. hearing them. Um, and so that's been an incredible life skill that I've brought back home. Um, and similarly, you know, when I'm, uh, when I'm at home, I mean, I've got these three little girls, they're wild. I mean, they're six, four and two, and they are absolutely wild. (laughs) So, um, sometimes what I've had to do with them is, their emotions will really, uh, you know, swell up within them and they will have a hard time managing their emotions. And so I find myself coaching them on calming themselves down, taking deep breaths, things like that. And as I coach them, I find, wow, that's really helpful for me in work. Right. (laughs) Like I, uh, I find that I need to remember that myself as well. Um, you know, take the emotion out of it and make sure that I'm thinking level-headed and, um, you know, making, making wise decisions and, you know, thinking in terms of the best thing for the business, not just the best thing for myself. And so I I think that there's absolute parallels and they, they sort of work well together. Oh, wonderful. Lots of good dropping of nuggets here today. I appreciate this. Uh, Really appreciate it. So I'm going to leave you with uh with this you know do you have just a a tidbit a word or maybe a favorite quote that you'd like to leave with our audience before we wrap this up today ah yeah great question i'll tell you what it would be if i had to pick one thing um it is to treat today as if it is a redo so let me tell you what i mean by that so pretend that you got to the end of the day today and you know everything went wrong um meetings went bad you know whatever it might be um and then pretend as though today is your opportunity to redo that so think about your interactions with your kids your interactions with your employees um and pretend like it's almost an opportunity to live those experiences out for the first time as though you were redoing it, you know, as though you really messed it up uh, and, and you're, you're redoing it. Um, and that practice is so powerful. Um, and I'll tell you why I've started to really love that practice. Um, I got diagnosed with cancer, uh, you know, about nine years ago now. And um, I went through chemo, surgery, all of that stuff. And, and frankly, like could have died. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was facing a life-threatening disease and that just taught me to really number my days, um, which means give the appropriate weight to each and every day. And so 
I think so often we go through life just living the day as though it's just another day. It's just another day. Um, we go through the motions. We've almost become robotic about it. But what if, what if today was a gift? What if today was a gift? And what if, you know, what if you had a life-threatening disease? Um, and what if you were supposed to die yesterday, but instead today is a gift? What a different perspective you would take to today, right? Would you spend that extra minute with your kids, hugging them, squeezing them, telling them you love them? And so I just try to do that. I try to treat every day like it's a redo. Oh man, I got goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, mic, mic drop on that one, brother. That's a good one. Oh wow. I'm just gonna leave it like that. We're gonna end. That yeah. was that was fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for all those nuggets. Uh, I hope if you're listening or watching, you got what I did out of today. I really appreciate uh, all the wisdom there, Andrew. Hopefully we can have you back on, talk more about things, because I think uh, your experiences and a lot of the likenesses we have uh, can help benefit and, and do make an impact on people. So that's all for today. Thanks for listening watching. Make sure you leave, uh, uh, leave a comment down below. Uh, we'd appreciate it if you hit that subscribe button so you get notified when we post next. For more information, you can always go to our website at centerforvictory.com. Uh, Andrew, how do they contact you if they're interested in contacting you? Is that okay to reach out to you? Absolutely. Honestly, easiest thing is probably just find me on LinkedIn. Um, go ahead and uh, put, send me a message on LinkedIn, Andrew Reichert, and uh, would love to connect with you. All right. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Just remember, everybody, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, make this your best day yet. See you soon.